just stand together this morning and welcome Ken and Cheryl here with us today. How about that? Now, Kevin's up here, and I'm listening at home. I'm sure I hear him holler, hollering out lion. You know that? So you can hear your voices when you're singing. I'm listening to the preaching here. I hear people saying, praise the Lord. I can hear you right through Sunday after Sunday as, as we join in with you and as we uh, hear the word of the Lord that is being spoken from here. Well, I just want to chat with you for a moment because I've been coming around this city now for quite a few years. And we started out and uh, I got to know Ron and Laura Redner. And Laura was our secretary at that time at first at Calvary Temple. And uh, so I got to know Chris and Cheryl and Cheryl became a dear friend of ours. And then of course Sid came along and I got to know Sid, and of course, they became a couple. We journeyed together in missions, and then they came back here and uh, assisted in the planting of this ministry. And we're here with you many years, and uh, then relocated to Kelowna. So that's quite a few uh, miles away. Sid and Cheryl have had a deep place in her heart because I've known Cheryl since she was a little girl, and Chris and Ron and Laura because they used to live in my city in Brockville. And uh, I, wanna, I just want to commend you as a body for something, and you don't have a clue about what I'm going to say, but you know that Sid and Cheryl had a handicapped daughter, Lindsay. And Lindsay just went to be with the Lord just maybe 10 days ago. And uh, I've known Lindsay since she was born. And we were right there in, in that journey with, with Cheryl and her pregnancy. But I want to commend this body for your love for Lindsay while she was here. One of the treats I had was coming here and sitting in the row, front row, and Lindsay coming to worship every week. Does anybody track with me on that? And getting so excited about being here in worship and all the kids were flagging and everybody would be here and, and she'd be so excited. And, and I just want to commend you for your love. For those that are handicapped. You see, God spoke to Moses when he said, you know, God, I, I can't speak. I can't do this. I can't do that. And um, God kind of speaks something that kind of shakes our theology sometimes. He says, who made the deaf? Who made the dumb? Who made the cripple? And then God squares his shoulders and says, is it not I? See, Father takes credit for what we call handicap. Isn't that amazing? That's the nature of the loving heart of Father God. And this morning I just wanted to uh, commend you as a church for loving Lindsay all the years she was here. And being a blessing. And because... The only thing that's really going to shift culture is this kind of love. It's not a love that you just conjure up somewhere. It's called the agape love of God, the unconditional love of God. And we have that capacity to love the way he loves because 
we embraced agape into our hearts by faith. And we can love on that level. So it's not in my message, but it's a commendation to you as a body for the way you love those maybe that are less fortunate, disenfranchised. But in Lindsay's case, you know, I just, I just commend Sid and Cheryl for their love for their daughter for all these years. And you as a body for your love for that girl. And I, I just want to bless you today. I grew up with handicaps all around me. And so I maybe noticed some things that other people do not notice. And uh, I just want to, if you're here today and you sense that there's a handicap that's keeping you back from God. Or you're using it as something to stand behind. May I encourage you. Receive Father's love today. And he comes in and he ministers his grace to us in measures that we can hardly count. Is that not true? So I, I bless you today and keep doing what you've been doing and keep loving on that level. For the last number of weeks, you guys have been working on kingdom values. Is that not true? And so as I've been uh, listening, uh, listening to Mark Henshaw's message of, I don't know, five or six weeks ago. That was a great message, Mark. But I tell you what, since I first met you, what you've let Jesus do in you in this crazy house in the last five years is awesome. <laughs> I, I text right in the middle of the message and I said, you keep going, man. God has lit a fire in your heart and don't let that fire go out, man. Come on now. And I know the love of God is all over your life. So I'm listening to your message. I, I'm not one who critiques a lot. I'm one that's listening for value and connectivity and character and communication and these kinds of things that are valuable to the building of the body of Christ. Is that not true? So I, I just want to bless you there. And, and uh, of course, I, you know, Barry's not here today, but it's some of his family are here, but great to always hear. My dear friend, I love Barry and Tammy so dear so much, Mark and Rhonda, the whole crew that are here, and all of you. It's an awesome privilege to be here today. Say, so why don't you shut up and get to preaching? Well, I'm, the problem is, is when we're family. See, we're praying for you all the time, so I feel really probably more connected to you than you do to me. Because part of the responsibility of the Ripple Network is to carry you in prayer. And to carry you in faith and believe God with you for your finances, for souls, for increase, for God to help you as a congregation to express and expand the kingdom of God in this city and beyond. Is that not true? Amen. So we're one with you and it's an awesome privilege to be here today and open the word of God. So you've been working on kingdom values. So I said to Kevin, do you, do you want me to just keep, see I'm a builder, right? So when a builder starts building... I'm able to come along and just jump on the uh, construction crew and, and build right along with the builders because the apostolic leaders were builders. It is, that's exactly who we are. We build uh, all kinds of things, but the greatest forte of our lives is we build people. We are New Testament Nehemiahs. Nehemiah was a builder of a wall, but Jesus is a builder of people. The great apostle that came out of heaven, sent by the Father, he came out as a builder. And I tell you what, he's Jesus the builder. So when we work with him and walk with him, we're working with him as the builder. I've got some slides I'm going to share with you this morning, but 
a number of years ago, uh, let me just give you some historical background on the subject of the kingdom. See, lots of times within our Pentecostal charismatic world, to be one who embraced the understanding of the kingdom of God was maybe thought to be left of center or somewhat eccentric. Because we have addressed the subject of the kingdom as then, not now. And the thing of it is, is when we're always looking for a kingdom and we're not embodying the kingdom and reflecting the kingdom, then we're only really preaching half the message, maybe a quarter of the message. So while I was here in uh, Belleville, I, it wasn't warmly welcomed that I preach on the kingdom. So I, it was quiet. So all through the 70s and I got next up in the city of Toronto and I start preaching on the kingdom and that really wasn't welcomed either. And so I said to the Lord, when we come into the 90s, I go to Calgary and I open up my mouth because I've been praying since a little boy. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Anybody prayed that before? I mean, if there's ever a group of people that are kingdom focused and centered, it should be us. And so, but that prayer also seems to project that the kingdom is yet to come. Rather than recognizing that we carry the kingdom of God. In the words of Jesus, he said, the kingdom of God is within you. Not only is the kingdom of God within us, the king lives and abides within us. So simple deductive reasoning as a student, I just figured, well, man, that's a message for today. Well, it wasn't that popular. So I said, Lord, what do I do? So I come up around the turn of the century, 2000. And I, I begin to realize something. I said, Lord, why is the message of the kingdom and kingdom values walk through such difficulty in being accepted in the Canadian world and in the Canadian church? And this is what he said to me. He said, son, it will always be that way until apostles and prophets are brought to the forefront in my kingdom and begin to steward the message of the kingdom. Then I understood. See, what happens is the teacher and the, the pastor are fearful many times of the message of the kingdom because it begins to deal with the government of God. It begins to deal with the things that make the kingdom work, function, and operate. And so I said, okay, God, now that there's been a restoration of apostles and prophets in the earth, and we're believing God for the restoration of the evangelist, how many are believing God with me for that? Anybody here? We must have that gift returned so that the eight gifts can begin to work together. The apostle, the prophet, and the evangelist. We got to start working together because we're the forward movement gifts that keeps the church moving forward into culture. While the pastor, the shepherd, the teacher is here to nurture and disciple and discipline and feed and care, we're all important in the kingdom of God, but the kingdom message is absolutely essential. One of the greatest deliverances I've had to receive is a deliverance from the gospel of the local church. Would you like me to say that again? It's a deliverance from the gospel of the local church and embrace the gospel of the kingdom. Why? Because in Matthew chapter 4, first of all, the word kingdom is found 162 times in God's word. Now that's not too shabby when you got 162 different references to a subject that we many times want to skip over. 
Well, I don't think we can skip over, especially when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 that he went about demonstrating the kingdom. And then what else did he say? He said to his disciples, he said, you guys got to get out there and you got to preach the kingdom. There was no such thing as the church. So many times we've had things in the reverse order. And what I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to do is, is establish the correct order of things. That's called the alignment with righteousness that Kevin was preaching about last week. So a number of years ago, I, uh, uh, throughout the, for the last 20 years, I've worked on the kingdom now for the last 20 years. Just keep working on it, seeking to understand it, keep preaching it, keep teaching it. So in 2017, we've prepared about 45 messages on the kingdom. You can't exhaust the subject. There's probably another 4,275 messages on the kingdom that I've missed. You know what I'm saying? But we, I believe that as Bible students, we must become students of the kingdom of God as it is found in the word of God. Would anyone say amen? amen. So if we don't have an embracing of the kingdom, how can we really embrace and espouse kingdom values? Because they'll run at, at, at crosshairs with us. We will not see them because we're not looking at them from my vantage point through uh, proper, uh, the proper eyes. So in 2017, I put this structure together on the kingdom. I'm just going to show you this slide just to let you see. I don't know what's up here and what's here, but we'll try to work together here. And I'm just going to open the whole thing up. This is what I tried to unpack for people uh, in our congregation and wherever I would go. Number one is kingdom enlargement preparation. Take three months just on that subject matter to realize what the kingdom does to the expansion of our belief system. The next three months was coming to an understanding of what the scripture says on the kingdom of God. The next three months we spent on kingdom enlargement and expansion. What it does to the body of Christ when we embrace the message of the kingdom. And then the last three months was the kingdom practically advanced. So what, what I did is I took an entire year to try to unpack those four subject matters over a period of a three-month period so that the followers of God and the followers of God's word would have a sound biblical understanding of what God's word says about the kingdom of God and how it's expressed. Now many times we're looking for definitions of things and so I want to give to you a definition. I think it's the best, it's the best definition that, that I have found in all my studies. And I give full credit to Dr. Miles Monroe for this definition. I am so sorry that Dr. Monroe was killed in a plane crash a couple of years ago. He is one of the most beautiful uh, people on the face of the earth. We are getting ready to take the Ripple Network to spend a number of days with him. I asked him if he would receive us and just impart into us for three days. So I had all those plans there and I was hoping that we could get down there and spend some time, but we didn't get that opportunity. So I, I want to read this to us this morning. What is the kingdom of God? It is the governing influence of a king over a territory. Impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intent. Producing a citizenship of people who reflect the king's culture 
the king's nature, the king's values, and here it comes, and the king's morals. Do we understand the conflict we're in right in the city of Belleville? This month especially, when it comes to morality in our nation. A kingdom is a country whose citizens reflect the king's lifestyle. So what it's all about, I mean, this is a, a complete embracing of a kingdom understanding, knowing Christ as king, is that not true? And then embracing that understanding into our hearts and minds and living it out. So what do we do? Well, it produces a citizenship. The beautiful thing about everyone here is we are dual citizens. We have our Canadian citizenship. Maybe some of you have Canadian and American or something else, UK. But most of us are Canadian citizens. But we're also citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So every day you go to work, we operate and live in a democratic society with a kingdom understanding. That means that every day we live with kingdoms in conflict. Every day of our life living in this city. So what does God want us to do? Well, you know that democracy used to be the end thing in the world. You realize that. But in the last number of years, 2015, there are only 23 nations in the world out of 196 nations that still had a democratic government. Two years ago, the statistics went from 23 to 15. Because democracy is not all that it's cracked up to be. There's nothing worse than a tyrannical democracy. Nothing worse. It'd be much better to have a king that is a benevolent leader over the kingdom and that's who God is himself and that's who's ruling and reigning on the inside of us. So we begin to look at the kingdom of God and living out the kingdom and what does it mean to know the king and to know the, literally know the values of the kingdom, the nature of the kingdom, the morality of his kingdom. You see, it doesn't matter what kind of sin goes on today. They may be in churches worshiping God, speaking in tongues, and leading the church. But I want to tell you something. There is a morality that is only accepted in the kingdom of God. See, you can be in the church, going to church, say, I am the church, and miss the kingdom by 510,000 miles. Because there's a narrower gate when it comes to the kingdom of God than there is an attendance of a local church. The kingdom of God is much narrower. And the Bible says such were some of us. We used to live that way. We used to live this way. We used to live that way. But now we have been washed. We've been sanctified. And we're not living that way anymore. So it gets narrower. There's reasons why this kingdom message has been moved around, but apostolically and prophetically, we must see it restored in our nation. Let me take you on a journey. And this journey here, I won't use this uh, first slide, but I'll go to the second slide. Don't miss the kingdom because you're frustrated with the church. Now, here's what I've had to deal with in the last 10 years. So many jaded believers. Can you spell that word with me? J-A-D-E-D. -E 
Is there any jadedness in our hearts this morning towards his church? Remember, the church flows out of the kingdom, not vice versa. And the kingdom is to be closely connected and express what Christ is building. Because Kevin and Sherry are not building this church. Christ is building this church because it's not Kevin and Sherry's church. Right? Is that not true? So over the 48 years of ministry, I never call you my people. Because you're not my people. You're his people. And I'm an under-shepherd of his people. Right? So we don't throw ownership on anything. We own nothing. We are under-shepherds of the great shepherd. And this is Jesus' church. And the stewards of this house are Kevin and Sherry Dowling. Isn't that exciting? Along with the other members. But it's his church. He's building his church. We're not building his church. He's building. Is that not true? That's what the scripture is. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Is that not true? Is that not the Bible? But I'll tell you what, jaded believers in the last 10 years are just incredible. Uh, especially amongst young adults. Disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, depression, whatever the D may be. And I just want to say to the young adult community, Jesus is building his church with people just like us. And we're all imperfect people carrying a perfect message into an imperfect world so the imperfect people can take a hold of the perfect message and come into that place of completion in Christ. But we're all imperfect beings. Is that not true? And so we're reaching out in an imperfect world seeking to bring to them the perfect message of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. That's the message. It's the only eternal message that we can declare and speak. But I just want to say to many people, maybe you're watching, don't miss the kingdom because you're frustrated with the church. Let's get over some of these kinds of things. Well, I don't like this and I don't like that. Let's grow up. Let's mature. Let's move on to maturity as a people of God so that we can become everything that he wants us to become, the church and the kingdom. They are different, but they are not separate. A growing trend emerged favoring the kingdom while disparaging the local church, which is like saying we like Jesus, but we don't like the Father. How does that work? I don't think that works really well in the, in the heart of God. There is a profound deception da damaging the wellspring of what we propose to support. It suggests the church and churches are inconsequential. Since COVID, the church attendance has plummeted. There are churches in cities across the nation that were having two and 3,000 people come. And now there's two and 300 attending those same congregations. So what, what happened in COVID? What happened in that two-year period? Was the church not relevant? Was the church not authentic? Was the ch what, why were we participating in the life of the local church? Maybe I could present to us today as many of our local churches will go through that if we're not continuing expressing, extending, and expanding the kingdom of God. Which means that we come in here for worship and fellowship and, and loving on one another, but for the next 168 hours, we're out there. 
And what are we're carrying the kingdom of God, the kingdom message, and the kingdom lifestyle. This perspective ignores the significant truth that the faith community is a wellspring of kingdom life for the believer. So we can't have one without the other, the other without the other. It's like there's been so much emphasis on the one that we've forgotten the other because we projected the kingdom to another time rather than to now. Track with me. The point is we cannot embrace the idea of the kingdom in order to avoid the church. Now that's what many are doing right there. Well, we're just people of the kingdom now. We don't need to attend a local church. You don't need to be faithful. I say to my children, please tell me, do you believe in apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers in their beds? Yes, dad. Then I said, then why aren't you attending God's house and sitting underneath their ministry? I mean, when you take this to the bank, it affects everything. And people are stewarding their own lives without the input of the fivefold ministry gifts that God has given to his church, Jesus. The church that he is building, he said there's five, not two, not one. It's not just television. It's the ecclesia. We're called out of darkness into light. And we're to take that light into the dark world in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. So when I begin to look at this and begin to pour through and I say, God, the kingdom is not the church, but it flows from the church. In this sense, it is a collective of the believing community. In fact, God has purposely structured the church and the kingdom to be interdependent and symbiotic. But here's the real issue as missed by those looking to devalue the faith community. The values which enable you to love the church empower the manifestation of the kingdom. Meaning, if we cannot love the church, then we cannot truly manifest the kingdom of God. Come on, is there an amen in the house? Come on, you do better than that when you're preaching up here. I watch you, Kevin. Come on, loosen up a bit. Seriously. Seriously, when we, when, when we look at this, we, meaning we cannot love the church and cannot truly manifest the kingdom of God. We are agents of his kingdom. Can you say with me, I'm an agent of his kingdom. And my responsibility is to carry the kingdom into the community. Is that not true? Is that not my responsibility? So many irresponsible believers. Well, it's up to you, uh, Kevin, Mark, and Mark, and Barry, and the boys, and Wayne, and the rest of you. It's all, it's all your, no, no, it's our work. Carry the kingdom. We can't go where you can go. We don't have the circles of influence that you have. You have circles of influence that will never influence anywhere. But, oh, if we take the message of the kingdom, the morals of the kingdom, the values of the kingdom, and begin to live them out and say, Ken, some of this preaching this morning is going to get me in hot water. Exactly. Come on. You want to go to some hot water? Let's go to the Bible. Anybody love the scripture? Come on over to this. Uh, man, I was lost here today. I got my offering to put in and I've got no offering plate. I didn't know what to do. So what do you do when you have an offering? You have no place to give it. Now, what do you do? You just give it to anybody? <laughs> Anyways, look, come with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 8, I think. That subject of the kingdom is mentioned by Matthew 43 times. That's quite a bit out of 162, don't you think? 43 times he talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And um, I gave an assignment to uh, my son-in-law and our daughter that they would go into Matthew 13 and they would do eight messages on the eight parables of the kingdom. Because I, I wanted them to preach it and teach it, but I wanted them to understand it and value it 
and realize the metaphorical understanding of what he's trying to say through parabolic teaching. What is a parable? A heavenly message with an earthly meaning. That's what it's all about. And so as, as we go into the book of Matthew, I, I was in preparing for today. Uh, I want to go, um, let's go to verse number 10. It says in chapter 8 of Matthew. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. There's the kingdom of heaven. Note verse 12. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to centurion, Go, let it be done just as you have believed it would be. And a servant was healed that moment. So we got the subject of the kingdom. May I encourage you, not only is Kevin and the team teaching and preaching, could we become students of the kingdom message in the word of God? 162 passages. That's not too much. Many of us are readers of the word of God, but not students of the word of God. And the scripture calls me to be a student that studies to show himself approved unto God. So if we're looking for God's blessing and God's approval, sometimes we must move beyond podcasts and audio listening and get begin to study out the word of God itself and say, God, I'm ignorant when it comes to these things. Would you remove my ignorance? And he'll do that as we study his word, as we look at this subject and say, God, will you please help me to understand? Next slide. The difference, but it's connected, the church and the kingdom. John the Apostle was the first to make this point after Jesus himself. He was uncovering the hypocrisy of those who claimed to love God but not love his people. Can I talk to you about people that love God and don't love God's people? Oh, people of God, as a shepherd for all these years, you're the highest level of God's creation. I'd be a fool not to love you. It's not the scripture says, oh, how they loved one another. <laughs> I think the love levels in the body of Christ are the most attractive ingredient that we have. And we can produce it out of an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. I've talked to five-fold ministers. I mean, just recently, my wife and I, just, uh, just recently, we're talking to five-fold ministers that just, they just don't like people. And then they said, stop preaching. I've taken evangelists off the pulpit and sat them down and said, you're not opening up your mouth one more time until you love the highest level of God's creation. We have no permission as fivefold ministers to use the people of God to our advantage and become abusers in his kingdom. That's not permissible. It's unacceptable. Come on now. How deep do I love people? How deep do I love the body? How deep do we love just the body of Desert Stream? How deep? Do, what, what is the depth of our love for one another? And that's when we know that we're walking in the light of God's word. To make this case, John cites the central message of the gospel, saying this message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Consider his words. This is the message. In other words, this is the heart of the matter. He sets this out as a key pillar and summary of Christ's entire message. He is basically saying, if you do not get this, 
you are disqualified from anything beyond this. Self-disqualification. This morning, possibly as we leave this sanctuary in a couple of hours, <laughs> a couple of minutes, my prayer is this, is you'll have such a love for his church. Why? Because you haven't come to church this morning. I know, I know we say, we had good church today. What trite statements we use. Why, we really had church. No, you didn't just have church. You're the church. I'm the church. We've come to a building to worship God. But there's a couple of hundred churches in this room that God wants to mobilize his church literally to the nations of the earth from this house beginning in Belleville. I'm the church. It's really interesting. Uh, we talk about the word ecclesia, you know, and ecclesia has become a real, uh, real powerful word in the last 20, uh, 20 years, especially since the turn of the century. And once again, it's totally connected to the restoration of apostles and prophets. They begin to carry the message. But in, we were trying to get a name for our class in school. And in 1973, we called ourselves ecclesia. So I've lived from 1973 as a called out one. Everyone in this room that knows Christ as Savior and Lord, we've all been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of the gospel. And we're to go back into darkness with the light that God has given to us and bring those that are in darkness into the light and then into the fellowship of his local church that expresses the kingdom of God through the church, his people. Yes. Ho! Oh, excuse me for getting excited. Let's say this together. I'm the church. We say, I'm the church. Cheryl, do you remember when you were doing children's choirs? She had all the kids lined up on the platform, and they'd do this little song. I am the church. We... The, oh, some of you know it. Okay. We are the church. We are the church together, but people of God... When you leave today, you've been in a worship center that we call the church, but it's not a real true picture. The church has come together to gather with other churches to hear more about the kingdom, to function as a church the next 168 hours expressing the kingdom of God. So they work together like Ike and Mike and Take a Hike and Spike and Turnpike and all the rest. Like they work together as uh, kissing cousins in the kingdom. Consider his words. This is a message. This is a message. He is basically saying, Ken, if you don't get this, you're disqualified. Disqualified, God. How can I be disqualified? He follows through that guiding truth with an obvious consequence. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Simplified in short, if we walk in the light, we're able to fellowship. The inverse is equally true. We cannot have fellowship. We should question the light that we're walking in. Which is also what Jesus was saying when he stated, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Oh. Oh. Consider the depth and the responsibility of this message. God is light if we are in him. Oh, come on now. I was praying with the group here last night, and I heard over here we're praying for, I think we're praying for Ontario 
and someone beside me was praying, God, increase the light, increase the light, increase the light. And I'm praying, God, increase the light so that we can increase the light. Is that not true? Because he said, you are the light of the world, Ken. You are the light of the world, people. Church, we're the light of the world. So why are you getting so excited? I don't know. Because we're the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. We are, in short, light creates fellowship. Light creates fellowship. Think about that. On the other hand, darkness is a cause of broken fellowship. If we cannot continue loving people, then there's a darkness at work. This is a litmus test revealing what is really at work in our core. It answers a question whether or not we are purveyors of light. We cannot suppose to advance the kingdom of God. We are filled with contempt for the church. And I pray today, if any of us here, and you have anybody in your family that is operating in that place of contempt for his church, that God would use us somehow gently as light. I wish if my wife was, does this whole thing on building cultures of light. And so she brought a dimmer switch to the platform. And she began to teach our people about how to use a dimmer switch. You just don't jump into culture in the workplace and turn on a 600-watt halogen bulb and go, Hey, this is who I am. But well, what you do is we start being kind. We bring candies and peanuts. We put them on our desk. We put acts of kindness. We begin loving to the people around us. If somebody is sick, we send them a card. We begin to be Jesus. We begin to express the kingdom in practical ways. And all of a sudden, they're lined up around. They want our candies. They want our chocolates. They want on everything. What are we doing? What If your enemy is hungry, feed them. That's a little stretch on that, but you understand what I'm saying? That's simply what God is saying to us. The kingdom of God is the most powerful message on the planet and what God is asking for us to go. Let's go to the next slide. Our journey with our spiritual family is the training ground. Our journey with our spiritual family is the training ground. Our journey with our spiritual family is the training ground. Our journey with our spiritual, is this your spiritual family? Have you connected? You sense you belong here? You're going to have great belief systems. But God wants us to belong to a family. It's an extended family beyond the family. It's the kingdom of God. The desert stream family. The desert stream family of churches. The desert stream network of churches. This is a hub an apostolic center from which God literally wants to release his light and his love and his salt and leaven from this house. I really believe that with all my heart. And it says here, it means God uses, to, uses the family to refine us and to show the degree of our love. When we become frustrated to the point we withdraw from fellowship, we are disqualified from the very thing we long to do. And that's advance the kingdom together. Well, I'm just not going, you know, not much going on good in the church today. So I'm, I'm just doing, boy, I'm very sad. You say, Ken, well, we're here today. I understand we're here. But everybody has a circle of influence. And we start expanding the kingdom through our lives. What happens? The local church ends up advancing as we express and extend the kingdom of God. We cannot quit the program, yet still hope to get a degree. And all those that have just gone through school can say, Amen, help me out. Right? 
If you're working on your master's, you get all the way, but you don't complete, you don't get your degree. So here we are as a kingdom people, what are we doing? We cannot quit the program and still hope to get a degree. Rather, the classroom equips us to advance the kingdom. Christianity is not an online degree to be gotten in your closet. The very challenges we face with people and their social structures are the keys to our destiny. It was a reason that Jesus said, feed my sheep, once Peter claimed to love him. And the proof of our love for Jesus is that we can walk with his people. Herein is the kingdom lived out. Come on. I believe, and Kevin's heard me share this and the boys, but I, I believe there's a kingdom nexus happening. If you don't know what the word nexus means, you check it out and do some homework on that. But I believe that what, what it means by a nexus is this. That you need me. And I need you. And I don't just talk about it. I need you. Do you need me? We've got the church in our present culture saying we have no need. For whatever reason they have. But they say basically I have no need. But if we're going to be, have to be Nexus people, I've got a Nexus card, right? My Nexus card, I don't have an on me, it's in my wallet. But my Nexus card allows me to get in the United States of America without going through all the hassles. How many know there's hassles in airports and borders? Anybody ever heard of that? We've heard a lot about it in the last two years. Haven't had to use my card. <laughs> Anyways, but my Nexus card, here's what they want. I say, well, if you want access to America, then you give us your iris print. You give both handprints. Uh, you give us your social insurance number, your SIN number. You give us your address. You give us where you live, your telephone number and everything, and we'll give you a card. There's an exchange that goes on in a Nexus community. It's a kingdom community. Where what I do is I give myself to you and everything. But are you willing to give yourself to me? That's the body of Christ. That's the nexus that Christ is forming in his church. Please, let not the eye say to the nose, I have no need of you. Let not the arm say to the foot, I have no need of you. There's a nexus that's forming where attitudes, kingdom attitudes have to be embraced while other attitudes need to be displaced by the Holy Spirit. And we say, as the body of Christ in Belleville, Ontario, I make a declaration to you that I have need of you. Right? And you make a declaration that I have need of you. That's so Bible. It's so incredible. Now, what happens when there's a nexus built between the leader and the people and the people and the leader? Keep your head up. The kingdom is about to be manifested. Are you ready for that? Who's ready? Just checking. Is this helpful for anybody? I just need to know. Is this help for it? Is there one, is there one person this helping? Shoot. I'm so glad it's helping one person here today because I'm, I'm walking step by step, right? You, you can see what I'm doing here this morning. It's called line upon line, mandate upon mandate because people of God, if we want to turn our nation back to God, 
the church must express the kingdom. I think we're at a place of no choice. Come on. Young adult community, hear this Father's heart. Give yourself to Christ, to Christ's body. Come into alignment with your leadership. Follow their leaders and let, help them to love you and to love one another so that we can advance the kingdom. It's really a kingdom of light. I'm almost finished, Kevin. You just tell me when to shut up, but I'm, I'm not quite done yet, okay? Uh, I told Kevin I couldn't send him my slides because there's a hundred and some slides in this presentation. So I'm just trying to work on a couple this morning. Is it okay? You okay? Neil, do you give me a couple more minutes? I see you over there. All right. I got you against the wall. You can't get out anyways. The classroom equips us to advance the kingdom. Christianity is not an online degree to be gotten in your closet. The very challenges we face with people and their social structures are the keys to our destiny. Let's go to the next slide. The message was summarized by John when he wrote, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We know we passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Oh, hello. Can somebody say, we know? Can we say, we know, we know? Take out your right index finger. It's time to preach. Are you ready? We know. We know, we know. We know, we know, we know. We passed. We passed. From. When we. Yeah, it's not just about loving me and me loving you. It's about looking at the person beside and say, I absolutely, totally love you. Let me hitch up this pony right now because I'll have you here till tomorrow morning. Okay. I'll tell you a story. We'll conclude with this story. Many of you know John and Hazel Alley. And uh, they've been here in this house doing a School of the Apostolic a number of years ago. They are dear friends and colleagues in the kingdom. John just had a birthday this week and we were talking back and forth, but uh, we have brought him here and many networks would say, could we have John come to the network? So what I did is I said, well, John, I'm going to be here and there and I'll take you here and I'll take you there. And he was here with you and then up with Randy and then I drove him into Ottawa to be at a conference and we're in the, so I said to Cheryl, let's, let's stay for this conference, man. We don't have to do anything. <laughs> we don't have to do anything. We just, just sit and take in, right? She said, sure. So we got a hotel and so I carry with me my headset, my microphone, all those kinds of things. And right in the middle of his message, you know, everything dies on him. So I ran out to my car and, and I got my headset out and I bring it in. And uh, it's got to be resourceful, right? Kingdom people were resourceful. Is that not true? I didn't have Kevin around to work on, so I had to take his place. So anyways, John's preaching away there and my wife is beside me. And she said to me this, Kent. I have such an overwhelming love for John and Hazel Alley. I don't know what to do. And I said, you just need to write down everything that you love about them. And she said, really? Yeah. And I said, we'll send it to them. So we go back to our hotel. We get in our hotel. So I got the computer. I said, tell me what you want to say to them. So we just began to tell them how much we loved them, how highly we esteemed them. And we just began to write, and it just flowed as Cheryl dictated, I wrote. We put it on there, so we just want you to know, man, that we love you deeply. 
There's a new word for the body of Christ in Belleville. It's called the word affection. God wants to make this house more affectionate than you've ever been. You mean we have to start greeting one another with a kiss? I didn't say that. But it is a holy kiss, right? And so we prayed over it. We had scriptures in there that we wanted them to know. We wanted to know that we just love them. We need to tell people we love them. Help me. So anyways, they go to their hotel room. They're talking with one another and said, man, do we ever love Ken and Cheryl Gill? They sit down in their hotel room and they write a letter to us without us knowing, saying anything. And somewhere at 14,000 feet in the air, they crossed. The next morning, we both woke up to two love letters. Expressing love as adult men and women. Yes. Not just to our little children, which we've got, but we've got to be able to say, i got to be able to say, Kevin and Sherry Daly, I love you. Not in the Lord. That's the qualification of all Pentecostals. <laughs> and I, I can come, come on up here, one of these girls. I don't think I'm supposed to go down. Come on up here. I can honestly say to you, I can say to somebody in the body, I love you. Well, you've just spoken those words to a woman. Yes. <laughs> Publicly in your presence front of my wife. I can tell this girl that I loved her. I've loved her since she's been a little girl. We got to start telling people, I love you, man. Or just speak the blessing of God over your life. You need no father loves you too. I'm only one the big one up there. He loves you a whole lot more, right? So we can just pull one. Come on up here, Henshaw. Just come on up here for a moment. I can look at Mark. Come on quickly, quickly right there. No, don't come up here. Just stay right. I love you. Oh, 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 you want him in the light? You want him in the light? Oh, we don't want you walking in the darkness. But we've got to come to that place where we just say, I love you. You're one of the finest men I know in shoe leather. I love you, man. Go sit down. Rob and Elizabeth, Chris back there. Crispies. They've been our dear friends for 30 years. I love you guys. Al McGregor and his wife, Judy. He's my cousin. I've known, we've known one another all our lives, Al and Judy. We've loved God, served God together, expanding his kingdom. Wayne, where are you, Wayne and Cheryl? Love you. I'm just talking some names out here, not mean to miss anybody, but the bottom line, just love you. No strings attached. Do you think God could raise the love levels in the house? Let's start becoming more affectionate than we've ever become in the history of our life. Anybody ready? Anybody ready to let God moisten your heart this morning? You're ready to let God just tenderize your heart. Just stand up with me and lift your hands to God and say, I'm ready to let God just moisten my heart. Moisten my heart. Fill my heart with your love. Your love, oh God. Let your kingdom be expanded. We bless your name, mighty God. Moisten the heart of this fellowship. Tenderize this people. 
sweep through this house with such incredible affection. May the people of this house know they're loved and that we embrace the eternal love of the Father into our hearts as we go out from this place today expressing the love of God into this community in Jesus' name. May we take the kingdom message that is filled with light and love and may we take it everywhere that God has planted us, placed us, and put us into in Jesus' name. And for this, we give you praise. Can you lift your hands with me today? Can you just worship the lover of your heart? Go ahead. Just, just express your affection to him today. Go ahead. We express our affection to you today, Father. We love you. 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 Can we turn this into an agape love feast? Do you know what an agape love feast is? It's now you take what you've just received from God and you spread it around. You say, oh no, you're not going to get us to hug, are you? Well, I'm not going to tell you what to do. We've just come out of COVID. A lot of us need a lot of hugs, man. And come on now, is that not true? Kevin, is there anything you want to say? I just think God wants to end this thing on a love fest. You want to say anything else? You sure? Prayer meetings, anything, announcements? How about a love feast? You ready for a five-minute love feast? Come on. You're going to train for ministry right there? Come on now. You ready for a love feast? Yeah. You ready today for a love feast? We're going to find people in this body, and we're just going to look in their eyes and say, I just want you to know that I love you. You say, well, you don't know me. I know, but I love you. See? Because we're part of the same kingdom. And, and we're, we happen to be a part, possibly, of this family. So we've got to, you know, if you don't express your love one to another, we've got to say, God, I just plain love Adam, I love you, man. I love you, Heather. I've loved Heather since she's been this big. You know, I mean, there's things that God wants us working on the inside of us. And just let's turn it into a love feast. God bless you. It's an honor to be here today. Those that are watching today, may God bless you. May you enjoy the love of the Father, the love of the Son, the love of the Spirit, and the love of the Word. May God overwhelm you with his love. May he baptize you in his love. May the love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit come towards you in overwhelming fashions in Jesus' name. Love from Desert Stream. God bless you.